Support for WSIU's In the Author's Voice is provided in part by listeners like you. To make your donation, log on to WSIU.org or call 800-745-9748. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Language expert and self-proclaimed verbivore Richard Letterer is out with his latest examination of the bedazzling, beguiling, and bewitching words of the English language. The book is Amazing Words. I recently talked with Letterer about the rich history of our lexicon. Language is like the air we breathe. It's invisible. It's all around us. We can't get along without it, and yet we do take it for granted. But stepping back, we see some amazing things. So to take one area, and the major one in the book, etymology, the origin of words. So let's look at the word buffalo early on in the book, because it's a dictionary on steroids, alphabetical. Well, um, you know, there's a verb to buffalo somebody, or something buffaloes you. It confuses and intimidates you. Why? Because when you go one-on-one and face-to-face with that beast, even though we slaughtered them collectively by the bazillions, They are mean, ornery, aggressive, and they will buffalo you. So we get the verb to buffalo. In addition, they're muscular, powerful. Hence, when you hit the gym, lift the weights, work the machines, you are buffed. We use their hides for a number of products. One of them would be to polish silverware, polish anything. Hence, you buff it up clipping of buffalo. Uh, Then we also made coats out of them. They were called buff coats. Very popular in the mid-19th century. Uh, When you remove the dark hair, you had kind of a flesh-colored garment. Hence, you look naked in the buff. But wait, there's more. I'll give you one more, all from the same animal, the same word, and that is Uh, In the mid-19th century, there were these dandies, men with too much time and money on their hands, who would run around after the horse-drawn fire trucks and watch them extinguish the fires. Well, the firemen wore buff coats, uh, these coats, and their fans, these dandies, in admiration of, imitation of, also donned buff coats. They were known as fire buffs. So a history buff, a fire buff, stamp buff, coin buff, a devotee, uh, a follower, at any rate, uh, comes from Buffalo. So that's just one entry. So uh, there's that kind of word, words from the Bible, mythology, poker, gaming, just guns, just about every area. And more and more, I tried to make each entry a masterpiece and said, this is what I know now. I will share it with you. <laughs> At the risk of sounding completely cliche, what is your favorite word? Yeah, I do hear that. Uh, one of them, I guess, would be usher, uh, because it's got all of humanity in there. Us, he, her, she, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, and ushers don't ush, hammers don't ham, humdingers don't humding, milliners don't millin. So there's a lot of wordplay in that. But um, I just like them all. You know, some of these, well, it's the most beautiful. Uh, it, often it's content and not really the sound of the word. 
I am just word struck, word be thumped, word be sodded. Uh, this is about my 40th book, about my 30th on language, and just a chance to look over the words. Um, all right, I guess my favorite word in the book is ambidextrous. Skill on both sides, Latin, ambi both, dexter, skill. So there's the whole thing about how language libels the left-handed, because dexter is to the right, and sinister is to the left, and we actually have a rare antonym to ambidextrous, ambisinister. Uh, you're a klutz on both sides. In addition, ambidextrous <laughs> is a 12-letter word. The first six letters are on the left side of the alphabet, A through M, and the next six are on the right side, N to Z. You'll notice that the vowels in that word, A-I-E-O-U, almost in perfect order, uh, not touching, but as you go through, if you add L-Y, you get the uh, the uh, sixth major vowel, Y. And if you look at ambidextrously, not one letter repeats. Those are called isograms. It's the second largest. It's a terrific word. I've interviewed a number of, of authors over the years who have lamented about the complexity of the English language and how difficult it is to learn. What is it about our language that that gives it such depth and, and texture and, and, and history. Well, for that one, I need you to extend this interview for an hour. First of all, Jeff, um, so let's go with this. 52.5% um, of all speakers worldwide did not hear this language as babies and grow up speaking it as children. And they're the faster-growing segment. You sound like a native speaker to me. I am also. We are 47.5% and in the minority. There are more English speakers in China than in the United States. There are more English speakers in India than in the United States. These folks are not, a lot of them are first language speakers, but they speak English and pretty well, and they are growing. It's the most universal language, uh, more universal than the Latin of Julius Caesar. How hard can it be to learn? We get that rap because of our spelling, which indeed our orthography, our spelling is the most difficult. 300 languages in that. Congratulations, Jeff. You, I, and our Brazilian listeners on the show, we all speak 300 languages. They're called English, the most cheerfully democratic and hospitable language on earth. That's part of the richness. There's a lot more. Believe me, the grammar is actually pretty simple, stripped down. We're not bur essentially burdened by ma ma masculine and feminine endings. Uh, we don't have to switch words for formal and informal, as you do in other languages. We don't have the inflections that kind of limit what we can do. We have a million words in our language, five times more just about than any other language. It is as, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name, but the treasure of our tongue uh, and we happen to have, uh, we chose our language well. We just got born into it. And that's why you can write a book like Amazing Words because of what this language gives us. Over the summer, uh, Merriam-Webster came out with its annual list of new words. In your experience, uh, how often do we actually expand the lexicon? Does it happen as... Every generation adds its own nuances? Just about every year the script changes, Jeff. So 
So, you know, the F-bomb and then underwater as a new word and to take um, text and friend to take two spectacular new verbs that were not verbs before. And then we go with unfriend. Um, It happens all the time. And we start using uh, these expressions and words and we realize, my God, that wasn't around even two years ago. Something like underwater has been only since the Great Recession in the new meaning. Uh, And so it's not a generation, by the way, that's a ration of genes. That's called charading a word. Uh, It happens. uh, Let me put it this way, Jeff. Congratulations to all of us. We just added three new words today. We won't know what they are for a year, but we're averaging more than a thousand every year. We've been averaging, we've been doing 900 or better since 1900. Ultimately, they're captured. You never step in the same river twice or the same language twice. Even as you do, it rushes forward. So what you're saying is fiscal cliff will show up in the near future. Well, I so assuming that idea continues, and it looks like it is, and that's a word, it's a compound, but it's considered a word. Yes, that certainly is the big one, and we didn't hear that with the last fiscal cliff. I don't remember that, but now we do have this, of course, metaphor for it. Yeah, I was say, I, obviously, I interview a number of of economists and 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 it's just it's 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 a standard word now in every i want to do an interview without using <laughs> the term fiscal cliff you, well we just did here till you brought it up <laughs> my bad <laughs> yes my bad now that's actually 1990s african-american community largely the playground and it's the american english uh, version of mea culpa uh, and my gosh, we use it a lot more than we use mea culpa. It's more accessible. One of the many fabulous contributions from that community. For listeners who pick up the book, what do you hope that they they take away from amazing words? See, if we do have any listeners who haven't already read it, you're kind. Of, well, I think what they would take away is that uh, language is the definition of our humanness. Uh, and uh, not only do we have language, we are language. Without us, language doesn't exist in its true sense, and without language, we do not exist as human beings. That's Richard Letterer. His latest book is Amazing Words. You can find out more about the book on his website, www.verbivore.com. With this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.